Welcome to WorkWise, the podcast about being better and feeling better along your entrepreneurial journey. I'm Morgan. And I'm Jamika. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> How you been this week? This week? Um, This week, I've been all right. Honestly, I ugly cried on Friday because I was like, why is life still like this? <laughs> I didn't necessarily think. 2020 was gonna like or 2021 was gonna change the situation of everything but right maybe a little I bit definitely maybe a little bit you know <laughs> that, um that but yeah I just had a moment of like yo I've been we all been doing this for a year I've been home with my kid for a year trying to work and run a business and be a mom to a two-year-old who needs to exert a whole lot of energy most of the time yes testosterone is real in these <laughs> little kids you know so he want to do a bunch of climbing and jumping and adventurous ass things that I honestly don't know if my homegirls with two-year-old little girls are doing like I don't know I don't know testosterone is something though like you see it <laughs> you in see- these kids and you're like wow like that is crazy so anyway that was that that's the real how you doing when- yes <laughs> Yes, that's what we want. In 2021, when people are like, how you doing? How's your week? You're like, let me fucking tell you. As a matter of fact, thanks for asking. (laughs) So that's the real, real. How you, how's your week been? Uh, Very similar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this was, this was just a week of like, really feeling like I had some things together and then like completing some things that I've been wanting to complete and like then putting it out and getting feedback on it. And then I like crashed in my energy. Like I just couldn't get it together. And I know that there's outside factors to that and that, you know, America is uh, American very hard right now real hard and uh that stuff is it just weighs so much heavier than you think it will and uh, you know like i i don't give those outside things as much credit as they deserve because i think i'd just be talking about it all the time if i did you know it can only be like the backdrop but for so long it's like back in the day when we used to sit in the bars remember that and listen to music (laughs) and it's just like you're, you know, you're chilling, you're having drinks and then you there's music playing in the background and then like it just gets louder and louder. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, OK, wow. Right. We've gone from happy hour to full on. being uh, in the It's club. the dance party. And I can't, you know, drown those sounds out anymore. So best analogy. Just, like, yes, that's <laughs> it. Damn, that was good. Do you write this down? <laughs> this just comes from you. <laughs> That was cold blooded. Like top. that was just off, off the, the top. We didn't even off the tizzy. We didn't even pretend to talk about this. Like, oh. yeah, <laughs> okay. So that we've both had uh, draining and uh, pits and peaks or <laughs> whatever they yeah. say. Such as but we here. Yeah, such as we like, here. Drew and I say like um, from the color purple. But I'm here. Yes. <laughs> Are we gonna have to add that drop? <laughs> Right. We need that. I'm ugly. I'm broke. I may be this. I may be that. But I'm here. Mm. I'm poor. Black. I may even be ugly. But dear God, I'm here. I'm here. I show up every day. That matters, everybody. It does. It really, really does. does. It does. So, So it doesn't matter if you show up every day and you're a fraud, in my opinion. (laughs) <laughs> Bruh, that just got so real so quick. <laughs> like, 
smooth. Queen of the segue. Super, super real. It does not matter if you here and you showing up as a tourist and a grifter. Oof. I love, I learned that word from you. Yes. <laughs> it's one of my favorites because they just be out here grifting. And so today we, uh, our, our fire starter is Derek Jackson. I don't even, I don't know how much I love saying these kind of people's names, but like, I guess it is important for you to know this person so that you don't listen to this person, in my opinion. Derek Jackson is a self-help guru, self-help entrepreneur. You know what he called himself? No, self-love ambassador. Excuse me. Yeah, there you go, girl. He wrote it down for you. He wrote it down for me, and I will never forget it again. (laughs) Self-love ambassador and entrepreneur. What that looks like is he has written a few books. One is called Heal Together without hurting each other. I still want it. A poetry book. I wonder what the, what he wants. <laughs> uh, <laughs> single mothers are for grown men only. Yeah, I feel like all these titles are so telling of like... <laughs> I, I don't know how we could ever have listened to this. I mean, in all honesty. <laughs> and then we've got the fiction novel, <laughs> A Cheating Man's Heart. Which leads that us to that one's <laughs> why this is today's fire starter, right? So I didn't know about this guy at all. You just, I mean, not we haven't been like listening to him or taking his advice. No, but. apparently he's been around since like 2012. And I am unaware of all of his uh, career. With the exception yeah. of somebody sent me two of his videos and kind of like just getting my opinion. What do you think on this? And my immediate response was, I'm not sure who this is for. He seems really pretentious. Like I don't, I wouldn't take advice from him. Um, yeah, you told me he his most of his videos are filmed in his car, which I always think is really interesting. It's like a certain brand of YouTube folks that yes. like film their videos from their driver's seat, passenger seat, whatever. Yes. Like the, I, I always yes, find that really I keep forgetting to add that in at the top. That is definitely it, a it paints a picture. It paints, it a, paints a picture. A thorough so picture, bro. Think of a buff dude <laughs> in his driver's seat <laughs> with the seatbelt on. Cause I don't, and I don't, that's the other thing for me. Where are y'all, are you putting, do you get in the car, put the seatbelt on and then just start recording? Or are you pulling over because you've just had like, you know, content storm must, must get it out to my audience. Yeah, like you're driving like, down the highway and you're like, oh shit, no, I gotta say it. let me pull over right you now. You know what? Where's this is where phone? I get my best work. And then you pull over <laughs> under the freeway overpass and and then you pull it out like I'm confused and you you guys let us know how's that work anyway so he's that dude he's in the car apparently he's giving relationship advice and he says that he holds men accountable like he's trying to get men to hold themselves accountable so that they are better husbands question mark and then this week recently oh it's I don't know. it's all over this uh, yeah it's this week some point he is, or maybe he was exposed previous to that, but he responded to the exposure this week. He had been cheating on his wife. Shock, horror. <laughs> How did it happen? And then he created what I like to call a hostage video and uh, did this apology <laughs> on Instagram with his wife, who's never <laughs> a part of, first of all, this is the first time we know this man has a house, I think, because every video is in the car. Now he has a couch. Who knew? Uh, They're aggressively holding hands. They are very clearly in it to win it. 
And he just uh, it explains that, yes, he messed up and uh, he won't do it again, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Yo, I watched uh, Speed over the weekend. I wish I hadn't seen in years. <laughs> and there's that part at the end where Sandra Bullock's the hostage and she's got, like, dynamite across her chest. And so it's all I see now is, like, Derek Jackson with his, like, hostage wife since you called her <laughs> Like, hostage video. Poor woman. She... No, I feel terrible for her. This is like you've you've you made her a part of your content. <laughs> like you Yeah, because it legit says featuring. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever, whatever apology video or like did I cheat on my wife featuring Hashtag the truth. I would yeah. hope so. Yeah. Relationship guru who has been around since 2012 is a prominent YouTuber, prominent on Instagram been ruining relationships i guess for however long <laughs> i think Helping the best people way repair relationships for <laughs> oh that's what long. it is yeah heal this book is called heal, heal without together. hurting each other without hurting each other so i mean maybe as you said maybe it was market research he's done 10 years later <laughs> in his career he is being outed for infidelity in his relationship maybe he's been telling us this all along through these book titles maybe who That's maybe a, not looking, looking like a breadcrumb to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> certainly a trail of breadcrumbs to get us to this point anyway neither of us were never into this person i just learned about him today as we're recording and um we found it interesting because today's show is all about we'll call them social constructs some cultural constructs social constructs we'll be using that interchangeably and i find it interesting because you know honestly relationships marriage nuclear family is one example of exactly that a cultural construct and this guy has gotten you know tripped up and in this so i don't know morgs it's (laughs) it's this is one of my favorite kind of exposures though i'm just gonna let me revel in the the pettiness for a second it's the people that we like i honestly feel like there are too many red flags in this person and behavior for anybody to be surprised right so i don't know how i don't know how that particular person presents and I will say this I don't know how he entered the game maybe it's different maybe this is a progression of fuck shit as they call it but like I don't know how you begin to trust that dude because from the jump for me it's like it's a no I don't really care what you tell me how to change a tire or how to keep a man (laughs) yo I just don't fascinating (laughs) yeah I mean there are dudes out here who I feel have like kind of jumped on this bandwagon of this being the content they produce around teaching women how to you know keep a man how to be a how to Mm. be a good woman for a man i mean without them how would i have done space it's super (laughs) hetero right it's it's like it's completely from the patriarchy people that are like here is how you keep your same sex relationship together right it's very like and, and it's also very cultural, like it's very black. I've pretty much only seen black men in this space, you know, telling these stories and talking, you know, giving this sort of advice around like how to be. And then there's, you know, I've seen a couple women. I've seen a couple <sighs> women who, you know, do relationship advice. And then there's always been just like around, you know, ask Annie, you know, like these yes. columns in the paper or, you know, whatever. And then we've, you know, gotten into blogs and, 
you know, just the digital world. And so there's this like, ask me for advice and I'll give it to you and tell you how to live your life and right. how to be with your man. And, and there've been segments on radio shows, like back in the day, I think like Steve Harvey and like other people that used to let mm. you write in and they, you know, and yeah, you wrote a I whole book it about is... it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think it's really interesting for entertainment purposes, like, you know, on radio during your morning drive and like such and such wants to know what should she do about this particular, you know, situation or circumstance she's had in her relationship. And she's getting outside perspective from her friends and family who have a very like biased, you know, yes. I need objectivity of, like, space here. They're coming from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I have not really like bought into like this brand of and I did. I got close. I got really close. There was this one guy out of Philly. I can't remember his name. He was doing similar, like, you know, books, women and poetry and like talking about how a man should should do this and do that. And and I was really close to falling into it. I even like bought one of his books and I started reading. It was like ten dollars or something mm-hmm. like, you know, support this brother, you know, following him on Instagram, was enjoying what he talked about for the most part. And this is probably like, you know, five years ago at this point. But it also like as soon as the book arrived and I started like reading like just the first couple pages, I was like, wait, what's about to happen? Am I about to start like building this whole like out of nowhere narrative around like what my partner should now be doing to keep happy when like two weeks ago, I needed none of those things, right? And like now, I didn't even know they I'm just like buying in, right? I do think it's really interesting, but I think the larger part is like they're fucking predatory, right? Like yes. they're Thank preying you. on women who, like, for whatever reasons, you know, haven't built, you know, their own list of needs and desires in a relationship, or like haven't been able to understand, like, you know, they're they're building a whole thing that doesn't exist and then telling people like, this is what you need to be happy. And that's the problem. Thank you for always having my words because that's it. It's building this fake thing, telling, selling people on it, never embodying it yourself, right? Like at, at some point you get to be removed from it. You're teaching. And that's a misconceived thing of uh, do as I say, not as I do, you know, like, that's literally saying I'm not holding myself accountable and don't hold me accountable for not doing the thing I told you that you need to do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's built in. <laughs> it's, it's built. It's a built in scapegoat of like you do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the risk we run in this like peer to peer sort of education space we're in now, too, where, you know, I'm all for it. I, mm. I fucking I'm a course addict. You know, you tell me you got a course coming out. That's going to teach me how to like, you know, design something or do, you know, I, yeah. I bought an e-course last week that was like ridiculously priced, but like super good. Anyway, that's neither here nor there, right? But we're in this space of like peer education, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think you do run the risk of like, are, am I showing up the same way that I am teaching or educating about, but also like painting this idea that like perfection is the goal. There's no humanity in it. Like people yeah. have make mistakes and like you know a real man should do this and a real woman should Mm. do that and a relationship is supposed to look like this and and y'all don't know it because y'all didn't fucking grow up on that shit but i did and like along the way i figured it out and (laughs) and it's just like not how real life works you know like no you shouldn't sit in something that's abusive or ridiculous but you also shouldn't like there's no there's no black and white 
So yeah. anybody mm-hmm. coming to you from that stance and calling themselves an expert or calling themselves With no gray area. If you don't have a gray area, then what could you be an expert in? Yeah, <laughs> right. You didn't live any of the gray area to get to the black and white that you were talking about. Like, yeah, you can't forget that part and then just use the word journey or, you know, self-love mm-hmm. or something and pretend that that's all encompassing. Like, no, that's yep. just it's just not how it works. So, like, for me, it's like the more we unlearn the social constructs that uh, don't serve us. Right. Like that absolutely do not serve humanity they don't serve individuals it doesn't serve the collective like the more we unlearn those things the quicker we see these snakes in the grass right like the quicker that we're like wait a minute snake oil salesman Mm -mm. you don't know what he's talking about yeah and i think especially as it pertains to entrepreneurship because there are a lot of things in this world that we're just born into and we're like okay, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's always been. And to some degree, we're making incremental change, but like, I I have to do it this way and I have to do it that way. And we paint our pictures around success, you know, profit, um, the environment, all these things we are measuring up against these societal constructs that aren't real, you know? (laughs) And uh, this man is a perfect example of that, you know? So- Way to start, because that brings us right to it. A social construct is, or cultural construct, is an idea that has been created and accepted by people in society. That simple. Absolutely. Somebody made it up, and the campaign was strong enough for everybody to buy on, and that's it. Even the people that it doesn't serve, there are people that buy buy in, right? White supremacy. Somebody is doing it right now (laughs) who isn't white. Right. They're upholding it. They're doing what they can to make sure it's still thriving. Patriarchy, all the same thing. It doesn't serve women to uphold the patriarchy. But there are a lot of women that are like, what do you mean? If a woman's president, she's going to nuke everybody on her period. There are definitely, (laughs) (laughs) you know. Yeah. It's and fake. so then there are the, <laughs> the, con- the social constructs you talked about. And then there are the the cultural norms and practices that we adhere to on a day to day basis to support that overarching construct slash so. fake thing. <laughs> slash we're just fake we're just going to keep reinforcing how not real these things are. Money, not real pieces of paper, not real. just if there weren't humans around to assign it value, it would have no value. It would just be yeah. paper or If an or alien metal. came here tomorrow and was like, tell me about all these things. <laughs> like, okay, cool. That's grass. Okay, cool. What does that do? Money. What does that do? Like, we would have to explain it. And we would be like, yo, it was backed by gold at one point. And <laughs> hmm. huh. wait, cool. it was backed by gold at one point. And now what? Now, no, now it's just a piece of paper and and. It's not even really a piece of paper because it's just digital numbers that we pass back and forth. And yeah. At this point, so. it's even faker than it ever was. <laughs> <laughs> and Legit. we all have to be a part of it, right? Because if yep. you're going to be a part of society, you have to mm-hmm. you have to play that fake Monopoly game. You do. So I think that there are some social constructs that are mostly a given at this point. If you understand that these things aren't uh, truly real then you can apply that really quickly to race, to gender, to class. Like race is fully made up. Whiteness is fully made up. 
you used to be able to petition for whiteness. That's how fake it is. You could go to a court and be like, yes, sir, I would like to be considered a white man. Well, seems legit. Or, yeah, not today. Like, really that simple (laughs) to benefit from something that is, you know, changed the shape of many nations. (laughs) It's fake. It's not a real thing. Gender isn't a real thing either. The idea that there's only boys and only girls or male and female and there is no in between is a lie. And we know it's a lie because there are living, breathing people that tell us it's a lie. (laughs) And so the idea that we fight super hard against those living, breathing people to tell them that they're liars, we fight against them and their experience instead of stepping back and being like, huh, I wonder what existed before me. (laughs) I wonder what was going on before, you know, some white dude told me that I don't like it. And then you have class. Class is exactly the same. It's completely constructed. There's nothing real about it because it's based on money and money isn't real. So if none of these things are real, what are we doing? You know, and and then how does that play into who you are as a human, who how you treat other humans? So I feel like those those are the kind of things that people can immediately think about and kind of grasp onto, even if you're confused by it. If you can immediately understand that there were things that existed before you and before what your parents taught you or society taught you, then you're in a better place to like step back and and actually figure that out. If you think this is all there is to life and these things must be the way they are, um, pull that thread and tell me why. You know what I mean? Because you can't, at the end of the day, come out with a a rational answer that doesn't include patriarchy or white supremacy. Yeah. And I think especially with gender, like, you know, being the mother of a young child who I saw born with a penis and, (laughs) you know, there is a propensity to want to say, like, you know, this is a boy, this is a man, this is all these things, right? But I mean, even scientifically, there's a large amount of the population that is, you know, born with like mixed genitalia or, yes. you know, it's not as binary, right? Different and so levels a decision of hormones. Is made. Yes. Yeah, a decision's made right there. Like, okay, like what y'all want to do? You want to make them a boy? Or you want to make it a girl? Like, what do you want to happen? Right. And, you know, it is decided at that moment, right? As well as like genitalia, like, you know, I think we all start as women and like that, like right. clitoris like grows into a penis, you know, yes. so like there's so much that can be argued about that scientifically. And then, you know, there are, you know, once a child is, you know, assigned whatever that gender is, regardless of how you were born, there are things that we then say from there, like, okay, now you like, I haven't paid for very many of my child's clothing, but like, how many blue things have I gotten? Right. How many like boys in trucks have been like, like truck, like he, he doesn't really have dolls. Like, so we just start like pushing all of this stuff onto them based on like what their gender is. And then we and grow our up idea and we say, of it, right? Our idea of it. And we grew up and we say, you're supposed to take out the trash. Like I started cooking when I was like 12 girl, like my brother didn't have to do any of that mm. stuff. Right. So he's four years older than me. I'm 
12, 13, cooking dinner for a 16, 17-year-old no. <laughs> in the house, right? And it's just these things we assign. He's supposed to take out the trash. He's supposed to do the, the yard work. We're supposed to shave our legs. We're you know, And so there are all these things that we just end up buying into. And then culturally, and, and capitalism plays in, and we start, you know, consuming on that consume in the same way exactly so it's really interesting but i think it brings up a lot of um opportunity as well which we'll get to in a yeah. little bit so those are the ones that i think are sort of basic right like we would start to talk about social constructs with those three and i think it's important to see other ones that relate to our everyday life as well but that we just don't think about in the same way yeah absolutely so there are a few that always come to mind for me, um, and especially in the world we're living in now. So I think these are like, they're antiquated social constructs, but they're also things that we as a society of like millennials and Gen Zers and Gen Xers are like, fuck this. We're not, <laughs> you know, yeah, going to be down with this anymore. So obviously gender, I think, is one of those things we're seeing very prominently right now. And then I think with the onslaught of COVID, but also just a rise in entrepreneurship, you're going to see a lot of detaching or untethering the idea of, you know, work and living, right? So mm. for so long, you've had to work to live. You've had to work just to meet your basic needs. And I think especially with COVID and you know, we've seen some bullshit stimulus checks coming out. We've seen, you know, um, unemployment, you know, sort of subsidizing a little more in, in ways that they haven't before. And I seeing think how government just, can work for us, right? Like we're seeing how government can work for us to help us meet our basic needs. Because I mean, obviously, if you were born, I want to say if you were born 200 years ago, but if you were even born today in the middle of nowhere, right? Like seriously, the middle of nowhere, you're not in a large city you're not even really in a rural area right you just pop up in the middle of a fucking field somewhere right <laughs> like <laughs> the expectation of you working to then feed yourself and clothe mm. yourself and all of these things is actually like a little bit ridiculous right like now having to participate in some sort of society to have your basic needs met um is a cultural construction right like <laughs> just fake <laughs> It's fake. It's like it's fake. you're born into this game that you did not raise your hand and sign up for. You're born into this monopoly, right? This yep. monopoly game that you didn't necessarily ask for. And so I think as we start bringing, you know, automation in, as more people start becoming entrepreneurs. I mean, here in Oakland, I think just a little bit ago, the mayor, Libby Schaff, which, you know, mm. we a little about Libby. <laughs> But they announced a pilot program for universal basic income, and they're going to choose like 600 families that are, you know, low income and give them $500 a month. And it's going to be a pilot program to just see how that goes. But I think in a lot of places in the U.S., families with or without stimulus, mm -hmm. you know, it costs like $2,500 to have a one bedroom apartment, even a studio here. So if we're still saying minimum wage that, is <laughs> that just between eight and twelve dollars how are you expecting people to just be able to meet their most basic income or most basic needs which are food shelter right we're not even getting into clothing and, and right other things like that which is a, obviously a basic need but Cassius isn't with it either nah he feels very strongly <laughs> about this and not with this no he's not about so, it and that no. means we're doing it right <laughs> yeah you're doing it right <laughs> 
And so I do think it's going to be, you know, in the coming years, I think as, because I don't know if you know, but there was like this whole argument that happened over Twitter, you know, out of the past years. Basically, there was a, a talk about, you know, automation rising and people losing jobs as a um, result of the onslaught of automation in different jobs and so it's that whole idea from before about like you know oh a bunch of factory workers are going to lose their job because we're automating all these machines and robots to do what they were doing but also like you know we're going to have autonomous vehicles and like you know truck drivers are going to lose their jobs and like you know so a lot of like working class jobs are going to be you know pushed out and so there was this argument like oh just teach them how to code and it's like bruh you talking about like, like my, my dad my joke. father <laughs> literally 60-something-year-old truck driver. He's been working for himself for years. Oh he has God. his own, you know, 16-wheeler. You know, people pay him to uh, <laughs> pick up those, you know, large-ass trailers and haul it, you yeah. know, full of, you know, Walmart food or whatever the fuck it is from A to B to C and then back. Right. You telling me that you want to give him this, teach him how to code as like a way of like him now having like a new career? My dad would cuss you out if you right. said some shit like that. He barely knows how to work his phone. You know, I don't send him I photos. Gonna, I was like, just gonna ask you him. how <laughs> how great is he with that mobile device in his hand? Because both of my parents are like, this stupid thing doesn't do anything. Exactly. And so that's talking about a 60 something year old person. But there are also like, you know, younger generations of people who've picked up this same type of work and construction and like, you know, like real like manual labor kind of thing. Right. And so there is going to come a time where these folks are not going to be able to find a, their next, you know, rise of a career or a job. And, you know, we're going to have to, as a society, you know, accommodate for yes. how they are to live and to participate in the world. So I think this idea, not just like because of the need of society shifting and changing, but I think just as a fact, right, of life right. that tethering our work to our life and, and like our basic needs is going to you know, it's, it's a social construct that's going to die. Um, well, speaking of dying, go ahead. <laughs> Real quick, I just want to add in there, just I want to live in the world that doesn't want 60-year-olds to work anymore, that will take care of 60-year-olds in the way that they are able to live a life that isn't tethered to work. So you want to work, you're bored, you want a part-time job, you know what I mean? Like, that's fine. Working to live, like my parents both worked to live, <laughs> Uh, way past retirement because retirement isn't a thing for a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, you just actually age out. And if you age out of your industry, it's not just skill, right? Like, but you age out. Maybe you're a construction worker and you're no longer able to do the jackhammer. You know what I mean? Like you can age out. I don't think it's appropriate for us to be like, you should go to community college. <laughs> Pick up a new trade. Right. right. I don't think that's I mean, appropriate. I think it's already ridiculous <laughs> that people retire and still have to like pick up a part time job. Like, you know, well, I think it's whatever. absolutely think it's atrocious that they yeah. that you work your whole life. And at no point, if you didn't make enough money to be able to save an equivalent of what you were making at the same time, if you didn't make enough money to do that or you weren't able to save that money, you just don't get to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the other interesting part is that, you know, a lot of, you know, our parents, you know, work to live 
a lot of people in previous generation boomers didn't even really get to explore the idea of like what they would love to do as a passion because they had to work to live. And I think we are, you know, millennials and generations to come are generations that are like, I'm I'm not going to just work at a job. I just, just to don't want to do like, that. I absolutely hate it. Or like we have a different expectation around what workplace culture should be like. And we're like, oh, there's racism there. There's sexism there. Whereas previous, you know, generations dealt with that shit. And so I think there's also this piece of work to live where people have been completely unsatisfied with their lives for many, many mm. years. But they've had to keep that job, you know, to do. You know, how many older people have you heard saying like, oh, I always wanted to be a painter or a this or a that, but Every I was single never one able to story. live that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think, you know, the the whole thing about like, oh, well, because there's also this counter argument of like, well, if people don't have to work to live and they just get money, then like, what will they do with them? They, they won't, won't know do what anything do. is what they claim is, is that if the if the government just gave you money, you would just sit on your ass and you wouldn't do anything. Just, right. And, and in what regard ridiculous. do you know anybody who does that? You know what I mean? Oh. You know, they're, 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 they're trying to point to, you know, welfare and, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. of course, black and brown people yes. to say well, that, how, you know. I mean, you want your white tax dollars to go to some dirty black man. Uh, who's not going to do not anything, gonna do anything they, with they it. They welfare already and they don't, which it's mad white people on welfare. <laughs> Matt, like, I feel like they make up like a very large. Oh, no, they, they are the majority in everywhere of receiving right. welfare. <laughs> Right. Yes. And And then they create (laughs) fake things like a welfare queen to give you the idea that it's the black women, single mothers that are out here, the only ones getting welfare and they're taking all of it from all of you other white people that need it. Uh, Meanwhile, there's people on yachts who got caught doing a food stamp fraud in four (laughs) different states, but they live on a yacht. Right. That's not a welfare queen. What? Sorry. So I bring I bring up the idea of like, you know, oh, people won't know what to do with, you know, government aid money if, you know, if they don't work and they just receive money, they won't know what to do. But there are plenty of people who have for years done something that they didn't want to do as a living. And if they were able to subsidize themselves, they would they would probably take more of a risk as an entrepreneur, a painter, an artist. You know, they would maybe follow their actual dream of what they wanted to do with their time and how they wanted to live their lives out. And, you know, the the subsidizing from the government or, you know, whoever would just sort of, you know, give enable them space. that so I, enable that. Exactly. So I think that we're going to see that that social construct breaking down. Um, I think you just nailed why we don't already have it. And um, buying into that idea that you have to work to live, there are generations that bought into that, right? And with our generation and generations after us, having a different understanding on all of these things, not every social construct, but understanding that a lot of this is fake. (laughs) A lot of this isn't a real thing. And we understood it earlier than they did. So that said, I think the shift that we're seeing is the possibility towards it because we're like, why wouldn't we do that? That's our money. That's our, you know, just like paying taxes is like a thing that someone just told us that's what we have to do. And so we all just go, okay, then I just pay my taxes. Like, we don't think about that as our money. It should work for us. And every single person Mm -hmm. who's like, I'm a smart investor or 
I, I like to know where my dollars are going, needs to be thinking about that. When mm-hmm. you give that money and then they spend the bulk of it on something that does not align with creating a better world for any of us who are actually spending that money, we maybe should question it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, to get back to my point, I think you nailed why why it's ever been that way. If we had UBI a long time ago, how does the capitalism get to disaster capitalism? It doesn't. We need yeah. to be able to tell people you don't get to be happy yet. You don't. That's get not to be a happy. part of life you yet. Need more. You have to take care of your children. You, as a matter of fact, you're late to be having children. You need to be doing that yesterday. Yes. And so I think that's another one. I mean, it's not a. I think it's another one that our generation is like, fuck that. like we're having yeah. babies that's so, so much older now, right? Yes. Like a lot of us are looking at it and saying like, oh, I'm late and my clock is ticking and all those things. But generationally, so many more people are becoming parents in their 30s and 40s than ever before. Before, you know, before so many people were teens, yeah. 20s. And like if you were 25 and, and not married with the children and that's like the Cat boomer lady. generation, right? <laughs> if you were like out of high school, out of college and you ain't have yourself a husband, it's like, what the fuck is you doing with yourself? Well, not but just we, that, but what's wrong with you? What do we need? To, we need to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Because we need yeah. a man to come take care of you. That's not my job no more. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And here's how you keep a man, by the way. <laughs> so, so, yeah, straight up, we're just like, we ain't doing that no more. So, um, so yeah, I think there's a lot in that working to live and a lot of the other things like the nuclear family, all those things that kind of are in that space that are just going to like start slowly dismantling. But another one that I think people don't talk about that often is um, the idea of death, right? I mean, we all gonna die, right? right? That's a given. But there are a lot of cultural constructs or social constructs around, you know, how we view death and how we how we bury people, how we celebrate the end of that journey, you know. Mm-hmm. And we have been, at least in America, I feel like it's been like one or two options. <laughs> you going to put that body in the box and put it in the ground. Yep. Or you going to put that body in a machine and burn it down. And burn it. You know. That's it. One or two. That's it. That's really it, really quick. Uh I haven't watched the full uh Snyder cut of Justice League, but the there's a piece of it that shows when each nation gets the mother box. I know this won't matter to a lot of people, but the point is each nation was supposed to like do their thing, their their ritual for whatever's really important and then like keep it safe and keep the world, keep it away from the world, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. So you see, you know, uh, one place do it one way, another place do it another way. And then you have man on earth who literally dug a two foot hole in the ground and put the big alien box in it and then just covered it over. That was our ritual. That's how we do That's it. That's how we do it. And it literally just made me be like, we have no shot at any action of living if any other being comes to this planet because <laughs> we're so dumb it's like how do you, how will you keep this the safest i'm going to bury it in the ground yeah and we i'm going to forget that, that i did that movie <laughs> over the weekend too. i got 2 hours in i got 2 to go <laughs> or 15 i'm not sure but yeah, yeah, like that. Well, that it's funny that you bring that up, right? Because you know there are like I was like looking at other like ways of I don't know honoring burying burial arts alternatives, and one is like 
shooting a body into space, be it cremated or whole. <laughs> Bruh, like what? It's called a space burial. Tell me that Elon Musk has something to do with this. <laughs> what do you mean you will shoot a whole body into space? Like with a slingshot or a, a rocket? Okay, first of all, we got to go back to class, right? There's a certain group of people that would have access to this. So it ain't us niggas just shooting up into the air. Ours is a slingshot. <laughs> this is a very luxury sort of... I mean, who do you even get to tell about that? The other person who the is a billionaire. Your other rich ass. Come yeah. on, Morgan. We already talked about okay, how, I, you know, just... we, we ain't in that group of people, right? So all the group of people would be together, you know? I just feel like that group is so small. I'm not shooting nothing to space to tell four people that I shot it to space. It goes into a rocket, okay, and shoots into space. So it's a whole production that happens. Okay. That's the funeral. And you probably gather with, you know, your other rich ass people. It's not just for y'all. It's like, you know, it's a bunch imagine, of imagine going to a rocket burial and it not being your first. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, we did that last year with Auntie Helen. This is such a great idea. I love it. with you know human remains uh, yes. but I think that for a long time the you know the construct is like oh you do it this way or you do it that way and you know there are a lot of other options I think another cultural construct that you know no one ever really talks about this one is really fascinating to me and it's like the idea of like a childhood so like <laughs> <laughs> it's totally like made up right it's very modern idea right that like we want to cultivate the way this person grows up but like mm. think about like 300 years ago 100 years ago even like our grandparents it wasn't like i want them to have this kind of childhood it's like i'm gonna feed you and i'm gonna put some clothes in your back and you're gonna do what i tell you to do and this is how you're gonna live right like the idea of thinking about shaping someone's childhood is a very modern <laughs> sort of this is so real and you're think. right i have not really thought about that i mean i've definitely thought about how we have grown up differently per generation yeah. And different things that we were, you know, living in. But I haven't thought about, like, just how fake it is to be like, I had a great childhood. <laughs> <laughs> no, you fucking grew up. You, you know, grew like, up. What? You grew up. I mean, I, I think it's beautiful and wonderful that we are putting so much care. I mean, I talk about my son and how I want him to grow up in his childhood and, you know, all these Get to things, be a kid and, you know, and... To be a kid and yes. to have fun and not to have to worry about how to cook and, like, all these, like, adulting things. I want him to hold on to this sense of innocence. But I think these ideas come from the trauma that we've had yes. in our own lives. And so we are now looking to shape and mold the childhood or protect, children. right? Absolutely. It's, it's new. Like, <laughs> you know, even thinking, well, I don't know, that might be going too far. I, I'm, I, <laughs> I don't know if I should say what I was thinking. I was thinking like even slave masters like weren't trying to make a wonderful childhood for their children. But I can't even like imagine what a slave master was really like thinking about. But I was trying to think like, oh, hundreds of years ago, what were. Yeah. And, and I have no clue. Actually. No. 
No, I mean, every depiction I think that we've seen of uh, children in that scenario is like the one or the other. They're either embracing their power and privilege or they are questioning it. And that's the extent that we see, right? It's either like, I don't like the way that you're doing this or... And then they get to be the white savior or it's, yeah. you're goddamn right. <laughs> Go get the yeah. whip. Like that. Well, one thing I find is interesting is like a lot of like slave children and slave master children played together. Like, yeah, those children would just kind of be children together in in some spaces. I won't say all because I, I really have no clue, but there are some spaces in which they played together and then they've grown up to realize there is this larger dynamic between them. And now I can... Or, you know, even if, like, kids have disagreements and they can, like, pull rank real quick, like, oh, you know, I could fucking whip you if I wanted to, you know, like, some crazy shit like that. But I do think that, you know, childhood over time has, like, not really meant anything until now when we're like, oh, Montessori. Oh, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, no gender. Like, my son's going to wear pink boots. And, like, you know, like, I think we have really started, you know, or... Like, oh, we we shouldn't argue in front of our child or like we should argue so they can understand that adults disagree. And like all these ideas just around like what it means to have a childhood and how you're shaping that experience, I think is fairly fucking new. (laughs) No, I think you're right. And all of it comes from uh, comes from the previous experience, I think. And like you said, the previous trauma. So like thinking of like eight year olds that work right, that actually were going Mm -hmm. to like a mine or uh, were enslaved and had to had to do whatever task they were given at six, seven, eight years old is like, yeah, there was no childhood consideration. There was no this is uh, someone who isn't developed enough to be doing the things that I'm making them do there. There just wasn't the idea that these are like little people. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Other than these are little laborers or these are little, you know, like yeah, taskmasters, you know, they're able to be tasked. Like yeah. it wasn't that they're little humans. It was like they're they're more hands or more feet. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, exactly. And they take care of each other because there was also, you know, talking about like birth control, things like that are also like right. new ish. Right. And yep. so if if there was, you know, and that's why they had such large one of the reasons why there were larger families, you know, my father, my biological father he has like eight siblings or some shit and grew up on a farm and will tell you like okay yeah I took care of my younger brother that was my job and then we would go fetch water and we would do this and so it's absolutely right other hands like this is where you fall into this is where you fit in and families because we talked about like the nuclear family right this idea of mom dad children in one household right you would have generations in on properties you know you would have grandma Grandma and grandpa yep auntie uncle like all these people would live in you know a very close proximity to one another and you know yeah you're you're playing your part in that dynamic of the family it's not like oh i hope that little joe has a good childhood it's right like, you know, like wake him no, up to come get the eggs from the chickens <laughs> why is he still in bed lazy ass uh <laughs> like yeah yeah so the constructs, I think that's an it's interesting. It can go both ways, right? It can be like old antiquated ones or newer ones that we are sort of creating as a society and like, oh, is this, how does this play out? 
Right. But I think the the really interesting thing with constructs is, like we said earlier, they create a ton of opportunity, especially as entrepreneurs on both sides, you know, two sides of the coin there, too, because, you know, it's an opportunity as an entrepreneur to drop certain constructs from your, your knowledge practices. base yeah. and your practices. Right. But then there's other like opportunity, like in business, you know, and so you and I. We're talking about a trip I took to the eyeglass store. That's not what you call that. But. No, went to the optometry office. Optometrist Thank you. Office. The optometrist. Yes. <laughs> I said the field, so we're just both winning today. <laughs> she went to optometry. <laughs> Thank you. I, I went to the optometrist and did my normal eye exam in between my eye exam and actually, you know, paying and picking out, you know, my needs. I go to the bathroom. I live in California. We are, we both live on the West Coast where, you know, it's fairly progressive. And although the first unisex bathroom I saw was in Philly at this club called Fluid, but that's a whole nother story. Anyway, I go, I'm at the eye doctor. I go to the bathroom and it's a unisex bath. It's like, you know, both gendered bathroom, unisex, blah, blah, blah. And I'm Everyone like, okay, can I see use y'all. this toilet. Everyone can use this <laughs> toilet. Boom. I'm like, okay, I see y'all progressive optometry. Boom, boom, boom. So then I <laughs> leave the bathroom and then I go to the woman's like, okay, now you can pick out eyeglasses. All of the men's glasses are here and all of the women's frames are here. Enjoy. And I was like, Bye. What the fuck? why are we still gendering eyewear? This is so stupid. And so and then I'm what like, is okay, it? Well. Fake. And what is it? What? Yeah, it's fake. Like, what does it mean? Is it like a certain size of your face? Is it right. like, what is it? And like, is it ratio I'm, to lens to eyeball? Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, what actually makes it? And so I'm like, okay, well, I wonder. So I'm, I'm start. I start comparing. I'm like, well, they're not really blue and pink over here. They don't seem like a certain size. And I have certainly, I have at least ten pair of eyeglasses, <laughs> and I know. And just from from the years, I I collect them at this point. You know, like <laughs> I don't get rid of them. I just get new ones. But yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah. the prescription glasses. I'm not going to throw them away. And they're they're cross gender. I got my Malcolm X joints that yep. are definitely like men's glasses. Each time I get eyeglasses, they're fit to my face. So it's not, and and I know men who are about my frame. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm posturing right now, yes. but you know. She's a lady of I'm stature a, is what she's going for. a lady for. of stature yeah. is what yeah. I'm saying. You know, I ain't no fucking. Um, Tiny top. Whatever. I'm not going to body shame anybody. <laughs> no, no, no shame. No, gay, no, no, none of that. Just that. Yeah. You know. But I'm, I'm a thick woman. You know what I'm saying? And like, I, I don't have a small frame. So I'm, I know men who are of my size and smaller. So it's right. not like, you know, when I get these A man could never there. put glasses that fit your face he could never fit them on his (laughs) gigantic temples So I think that as an entrepreneur, there is a huge opportunity to, you know, build a unisex eyewear company and and really embrace like all of these things that have previously been super gendered. And this next generation, I was just reading a report about them. They don't want none of that gender shit. They don't want to go to the men's department at Macy's. You know, they want to just be able to shop. They don't want to click men's and click women's they just want to see all the shirts they just want to see all the pants you know <laughs> like, like and so just get, show me my size is how i shop show me my what can show i me fit my size. 
Show me exactly. my size. And, exactly. And I feel like you and I, and especially with streetwear, has, you know, really introduced this space in our generation of not fucking caring. Like, right. give me a, a large or a medium tee, right. you know? And, you know, those shoes, like, I'll take them in my size. I want my size. I don't want this gender, that gender. And so I feel like with us breaking down constructs around gender, there's a huge opportunity to really, you know, embrace the the unisexness and let that be your unique value proposition as a business. Oh, we're a unisex eyewear company. We're a unisex whatever, you know. I think there's a lot of um, opportunity in there. I do too. I think that it's an interesting idea thinking about streetwear, how... Uh, both of us specifically dress um, and kind of just our style. We were, I'm sure, both like just considered tomboys for a good portion of our childhoods <laughs> and <laughs> and young adulthood. You know, like um, I know that I disappointed my grandma every time she wanted me to wear a dress and I made the decision not to, you know. And for me growing up, she had a very specific idea of what a young lady was supposed to be. And so it was pulling teeth for me to go dress shopping. It was pulling teeth for me to get like dress shoes. And because those weren't things that interested me. And that wasn't like I didn't want a crushed velvet dress. I don't, you know what I mean? The crushed velvet. Oh, and I had it with a built in choker. It was a a whole, whole look. I definitely Uh, have a photo, like a a school photo of me in a crushed velvet with uh, a little collar joint. Yes. Contrasting texture. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I just had so much with that. And it was always um, like a point of anxiety. You know what I mean? And if that if if I could have found uh, maybe dresses that weren't so overly frilly or, you know, stuff like that, uh, like the dresses that I purposely buy and wear today, if that was an option, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad. But it wasn't an option. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like so getting out of our own way, like imagine if we weren't stopping our own creativity when it came to clothes like the idea that men and women are cut so differently is the same fake thing that comes like with the health industry like as if it's only your personal choices that build your health profile like that's not how it works right and so when someone's just like eat the salad do the do the exercise it certainly isn't that easy for every single person. And if it were, wouldn't we be looking like a whole lot less than what we look like? <laughs> you know, like oh, bro, access to certain foods and like, to, let's not even talk about like systemic actual health care <laughs> and systemic medical mistreatment. Like there's so much that goes into it. Or and- white supremacy and, and capitalism. Like that is a level of stress. Like when you talk about black and brown people that have like higher levels of diabetes and higher blood pressure, blood pressure and, all those things, and- that, that doesn't just come from like how we eat. That comes from how we have to function and play in society that is just not which changes your dna and changes your genetic makeup and i know that we're not the first people to talk about this i know we're not the first generation to notice it somebody else noticed it a long time ago but the the way that we're able to miss that part because the emphasis is on individualism and the emphasis uh from all of those structures is pull yourself up by your bootstraps quit being a fat lazy slob quit being a broke boy, quit being, right? Like, it's just uh, all of the systems are meant to make you feel like you're the failure when you're paying into, buying into, supporting, 
being the laborer of this economy and you don't reap any benefit from it. Like that, that literally like we're just doing it so wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's cool. Like, I feel like what we're saying is like, there becomes opportunities on every level. There are opportunities as an entrepreneur, there's opportunities as policy, government, society. And then there's like opportunities in like the systems that we buy into that support our, or supposed to support our well-being, like the healthcare system, which is also closely tied to government and business. But, you know, there become opportunities as these constructs are dismantled. Yes. Um, on multiple levels. Well, and say you're an entrepreneur, right? And your journey involves having employees. And depending on how you think about health and healthcare, and depending on what part of the social construct you buy into, that's going to change or shape the way that you implement your own policies. So if you have never not had access to healthcare, you may not even think about what it means to not have access to healthcare, right? So as an entrepreneur, as as the business owner, as the person hiring employees, you may be like, that's on them. What are all of the ways that I can do to find the, the pathways around not paying for their health care? My immediate thought is for every entrepreneur that hates the idea of having to pay health care, why are you not championing Medicare for all? Why do yeah. why would any of us tie our health care to employment? Right? If it isn't something that you see the value in doing, even though you know you need that person to succeed in your own business. If you don't see that value, how do they see the value in paying you for it? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, I think that what you just said is its own social construct in and of itself. Like your work being tied to your your healthcare, right? And it totally is. It's being one of those things that people are like, oh, like how else would it be? Like, what do you mean? How else would it be? How like, else would it I have be? to have a job to have health care. You know, like that is so when you're crazy. I mean, it gets even crazier because if you're a young person who isn't a college student, but also doesn't have a full time job that offers benefits, you can no longer be on your parents' health care. Yeah. If your parents have health care to put you on. Like if, exactly. I mean, if your parents are living, if, if your you parents know, like, are, there's so if, many things. Exactly. There's so many factors. And it's like, what are we doing? That's a basic, bare minimum thing in any society. Yeah, the communities take care of each other. Right. And so if you have a healer in your community, that healer comes and heals everybody. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing where we're like, no, it's totally you just have to work hard and then harder and then harder to be able to see a doctor before you die. Yeah, absolutely. It's in- ridiculous. And it, and the same way that like, what, 10, 20 years ago, there wasn't like a magical car that you were calling from your phone to show up and drive <laughs> you from one place to the other. You know, it would be really cool if there were entrepreneurs that are thinking about, you know, this how same to disrupt of, like, the healthcare how, yeah, industry, how to disrupt the healthcare industry, you know, like. And I don't mean the bullshit like Theranos or, uh, you know, these people out here doing just complete and total bogus shit and calling it a disruption. Really disrupt. Redistribute the wealth so that people can then have the access to the healthcare. (laughs) Bruh, I have healthcare and I went to the doctor once this year and received a $400 bill. I'm like, I don't even know what my health care covered. What did I do? What happened? My son to the doctor. Same, you know, same thing. So 
it just there needs to be another way of living this life and i think even in terms of like medical billing like what are we doing seriously medical billing like if you really were able to look line for line at what they were charging you there's a documentary on that somewhere floating around in like the next tons of books too wherever yeah. yeah absolutely but just how much they charge you for a q-tip if they like look in your ear or like you know an to, ibuprofen ibuprofen yo yo <laughs> son had a fever we like oh shit we about to lose him <laughs> a fever middle of the night we like okay he's at 105 and it's just going up from here like what are we gonna do you know he's under a year old and you're like you don't you don't Mm -mm. want that on your hands Mm -mm. right like middle of the night cool let's just take him to the hospital make sure everything's good and yo they give him like advil after advil and they're like okay we're just gonna stick this thermometer up his butt again and hope (laughs) for the best Yo, we got like a three thousand dollar bill for that. <laughs> it's just like, what is really? Oh my god! Uh, I wow. I, <laughs> those are the kind of horror stories. Like you know how you hear about someone, um, unfortunately, getting a, like a terrible disease, or folks with chronic diseases that don't go away and need these, uh, you know, major treatments, um, dialysis, things like that, where it's like, I can't imagine how anybody is able to afford that, right? If you are just working a full-time job and you have benefits from your company, if they're not paying all of your health care, and by that I mean your premium or whatever. Um, yeah. When I had health care, I had what we considered really good health care. They paid the whole, they paid all of it. And so I paid anything that was extra. You know, like I paid my copay, Mm -hmm. I paid whatever bills came from the ER or the hospital, whatever. I was under the impression that it was like good health care. When I had a different kind of health care that I did pay for out of my, you know, out of pre-tax, out of my check. And then my copay was crazy to see the doctor. Like I didn't have dental. So I still had to like pay completely out of pocket for dental. So in those moments, did I go to the dentist? No, I didn't. You know, like... I didn't go to the dentist the entire time I lived in Philly because I didn't have coverage. Like, I wasn't going to do it. And yep. on top of not, like, if you do have coverage, which you're, if you're lucky enough to have that, if you happen to be a black woman, if you happen to be a person of color, I don't think it's as bad for anybody else as it is for black women in the medical industry. I, and I could be wrong about that. I'm not, you know, about to play I mean, the oppression we can Olympics. Say that across but many industries and just exactly in the world. So let's just, say, we, yeah, it can be true. true. Yeah. No, but seriously, we we are treated as if our pain isn't real. We are treated as if the symptoms that we're talking about are either completely fucking made up or that they're easily dismiss, dismissed. They're just like, oh, that's not a big deal. <laughs> the amount of black women that I've talked to that have been misdiagnosed, gone undiagnosed from something that you would find from a pap smear if done correctly. You know what I mean? Like. It's, they don't believe us, man. They don't, they don't believe us. They like, don't believe us. They just don't. Like, I have, my relationship with going to the doctor is not great. It has never been good for me. It has, I have never been believed. All of, everything has been tied to my weight to a doctor. Like, oh, you're in tons of pain when you're on, in your, on your period. You should lose some weight. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. oh, you have migraines. I bet that's related to your weight. 
Yeah. What? <laughs> I mean, even down to being on the delivery table about to give birth to my child. And I'm like, yo, he's coming right now. And they're like, no, no, no. You just started pushing. It's no way. And like, bro, I'm telling you, this baby is coming out right now. Okay. All right, cool. Then go ahead and push and we'll just see, you know. And I'm like, boom. Okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. Wait. Wait, hold on. Hold him right there. We're what not ready. What do you mean hold him right there? With <laughs> like, what? A Kegel? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, I have to run and get the doctor. Like, because you did not believe me telling you that this child is coming right now. There's, they just don't believe you. That is our overall experience. Yeah. And I've had to just, like, try my damnedest to paint, you know, very vivid pictures of whatever pain I'm in, whatever. I got to be in a fucking creative writing class to talk to <laughs> yes. you. Yes. So that you will understand that this isn't a headache that I can drink a glass of water for. Yeah, This is exactly. actually a baby that I can feel on the inside of my body. Do you think that you can feel it on the inside of your fucking body right now? <laughs> right. I mean, and there have been times like, you know, I had colleagues at, you know, different tech companies I worked at who, you know, they were receiving, you know, Adderall or Ritalin or whatever they needed to like help Keep them work popping. better. And, you know, me trying to like see if I could qualify for some of those things because, you know, I need that help too. Them was Yeah. Like, you know, I was like, no, nah, you, you good. You don't, you don't need that you know so it's just like always having to make a case and then you turn to your colleague or your friend and you're like so how did you like what did you tell the doctor what was the thing i just said yeah right exactly like oh i just said you know that i couldn't focus and you know they just gave it to me they suggested it ask you if you do yoga or if you meditate (laughs) have been meditating or if you or if you exercise for more than a half an hour a day and what have you been eating and (laughs) how much do you sleep and are you tracking your water intake <laughs> exactly. So you just constantly have. Can to you make sit and read a book? Case. Like, yeah. Yo, sorry, uh, it's a lot. So I mean, we, we this could be its own like a- episode too. Like we're clearly both triggered, but yeah, there can be a lot of disruption uh, to happen around the healthcare system because again, it's very antiquated, and you know, it's adhering to a bunch of constructs that just aren't real anymore. You yeah. Know? It's also the kind of industry where the supporting roles of it, like if. If certain if billing changed, you know, like if it was a universal health care where the government is paying for it, we still need all of those skilled medical billers. Right. They just work for someone else now. It's not the same as changing in, or, or uh, dismantling an, an industry in the way that that job isn't needed anymore. It's just needed in a different yeah, way. Yeah, the job is needed. We just need yeah. you to like code your billing different. Like don't charge $50 for a Band-Aid in the hospital when right. a Band-Aid, like the markup on stuff is just ridiculous. Well, and, and if labor, it was, you know. if it if it was something that was nationalized, they wouldn't charge that because Absolutely. it wouldn't, it wouldn't <laughs> behoove them to do that, no, right? So no. it's literally just like us being like, we don't, us listening to, to politicians say, government is too stupid and slow to be able to do the things that you want. So we're just never going to do them. And we're watching what the result of that is. Extreme housing crises all over crises. I never know what I'm, how I'm supposed to say that. Fine. <laughs> Homelessness, houselessness abounds nationwide. It's not just like the places with the mild climate now. You know what I mean? And I think that the West Coast has always been like a, a place where houseless people will travel to because it's like none of the major harshness of a winter. You know, the summers are really pretty bearable unless you're in the middle of the desert. And rain is rain. 
It's like as long as yeah. you can be sheltered from that rain. Yeah. Anyway, we're seeing all of these crises and it's because we have treated everything like, no, that should go to the private market. We wouldn't be absolutely. able to. We, we just absolutely can't handle that. <laughs> yep. yep. And it's a lie, guys. I mean, they're, yeah. they're able to do wonders with uh, military budgets of $800 billion. Or, you know what I mean? Like they know how to spend that money real easy, real fast. Yeah. And I mean, you know, when we talk about these types of changes, I think they do the best when they come from disruption by the people, you know? So I think, again, entrepreneurs, you feel really passionate about something and you feel like you can, you know, look at some of these constructs and dismantle them through something you're building I think that's probably going to be the way we see the most impact and change as opposed to waiting on the government or waiting for the government to hear the people and you know I think when people create things and create business models that can you know be successful and also serve the people I think that that is another example of you know all power to the people you know what I'm right. saying like I think we we get there quicker through the work that we're doing and our innovation as entrepreneurs than we do waiting for the next I don't, I don't even want to say sloppy joe but <laughs> somebody oh. <laughs> up the, uh, <laughs> there's a meme going around of, of uh Joe Biden tripping up Air Force One, not Oh, Joe, it's in your hands, huh? We waiting on you to change things. God damn. No, we're not. He's done. No, no, we're not. No, it's crazy. Speaking of uh, when to retire, in all honesty, ain't it crazy that we would have somebody who was retired? <laughs> Like, from all their jobs, be like, you know what? I'm coming out of retirement. I'm coming I mean, out of retirement to be the president. The Trump will do. Hello. Trump will do. <laughs> but I mean, that's what Joe did. Joe was like, it's my time. Yeah. I'm 74, but it's my time. Yeah. You know what? And I'm glad he did, because, uh, I mean, yeah. he ain't perfect, but at least I can think again, you know? As yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. The news is losing <laughs> ratings, and that's good. <laughs> To some degree. You know, and honestly, the kind of news that's being watched, and I don't just mean Fox, I mean the kind of entertainment that is being produced at this point. Like, yeah, lose the ratings. Because <laughs> we're doing girl. way more opinion than we're doing news. and uh, That's true. Too. And it's bad opinion, so. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, I think we did it. I think we. Uh, I think so too. I think we uh, gave y'all what a social construct is. We showed you uh, a few of them and just how much we need to get. <laughs> just how much we need to get rid of so many of them, and then you know finding opportunities in change. I think that we spend a lot of time being scared of. Or no, I take that back. We spend a lot of time being told that humans are scared of change, and I don't buy that whatsoever i think that's a total made up social construct that we're all scared to do something new um because we do something new all the time every single person does and you just don't look at it as something to celebrate you know it's not something that's worthy of telling someone else but it, you know many of these things are and if we're gonna change if we're gonna talk about progress if we're going to innovate all of these things have to be changed absolutely so thank you for listening to Workwives, the podcast about being better and feeling better along your entrepreneurial journey. We'll holla. <laughs>
Hey, thank you for listening to another episode of Work Wives, powered by Motherboard, hosted by Jamika Eel and Morgan Jones. We hella appreciate you. Go to workwives.co to learn more and connect with us on the gram. Follow Jamika at Aphrodisiac and Morgan at Portland Morgan for all things Work Wives and the rest of our lives. Lives, lives.